Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we might go a little bit different than the way you guys were expecting it. We are going to talk about actual wrestling we're going to talk about the trios best of seven finale between death triangle and the elite we are also going to talk about the bloodline Sami Zayn getting an apology from roman reigns and we're also going to talk about a very small thing that happened a lot of you might not have heard it but uh this mcmahon might have actually sold his soul to the devil that and a whole bunch more tonight on the band for ringside podcast that motherfucker say, I'm going to come back. Was that we- racist? Did <laughs> I call Saudi Arabia the devil? <laughs> Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band for Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Veggie, a.k.a. Hillary Clinton. And sitting directly across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? That's great, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Bo, you kill me, dude. All right, let's just cut to the chase. You know who's going to like that is Mike Fernandez. <laughs> and on that though we know i'll ask the congregation to bow their heads as i read from the latest edition of the band from ringside podcast volume 290 chapter 3 verse 14 and the good smart saith hashtag boo the heels it's all good baby listen share subscribe repeat the holy trendy at bfr i almost hate vince you know, I wanted to talk beefers. I wanted to laugh. I wanted to go back and look at 2022, good, bad, you know, indifferent. But, yeah, well, Vince, he just Bogart highlights the spotlight He's again. He's kind of hateable. And out there in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> we have two beers, Zach Pullman. What's going on, two beer? Beer for Western House. That is just like Vince to take a good thing and ruin it. So, very right. good character for him. So, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, having my first drink of the year here. Uh, I've been good for 12 days. I'm just having a glass of whiskey and a beer, and that's it. A little treat. Yeah. You can have a little beer as a treat. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, th- I gave the cats a little treat today before Bill got here. Everybody deserves a little treat. Are you, you calling Zach an a animal? Salami? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Ain't nothing little about this salami, baby. <laughs> oh my god, that wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking a cat like me salami. What do you think you were? What do you think? What did you think that we thought that you meant when you said giving the cats a little bit of salami? We are coming at you from gorgeous oh my South Lord. City, my beloved. South City, St. Louis. Uh, I am here welcome at back. Jason welcome Bell's house. The stars aligned. It worked out better for us to, for me to come here rather than Jason come out to my house. I've been telling my wife for a little while now that I would like to save Jason the trip because the guy makes the trip every single goddamn week and he doesn't have to. And he's a black man driving into St. Charles, which is enemy territory, driving and out driving back out <laughs> <laughs> after dun, getting high dun, as fuck. Dun, dun, so. Dun. So, so I feel like we've been doing this for a couple weeks in a row now, but for a programming note, <laughs> we are going to have the Beefer Awards 
next week is the plan. We are we Bill and I talked about it. There's nothing and as the, long as Vince doesn't do anything crazy in the next seven days. There's nothing WWE programming pay per view wise we have to worry about. Yes. AEW has it, it, Revolution in March. It'll be fine we until be okay. Vince sells the company <laughs> to you know Adolf Hitler's grandson. Like, it, like we're in the middle of the beefers. In the, no, <laughs> are in the middle of this show right now. Uh, but we will do the beefers next week, which is uh, my favorite my my favorite episode of the year. Hey man, the the beefers are year end awards, but it would just be uh, journalistic. Uh, non-integrity for us to skip this week after something that happened on the wrestling landscape that was so big that I was getting text messages from friends of mine that aren't necessarily into wrestling that were like, did this seriously happen? It, 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 it kind of, uh, I won't say it supersedes the beefers because nothing's bigger than the beefers, Preach. but the beefers are something that we can move back a week. So we are moving the beefers back a week. Again. And we are going to delve into uh, this bullshit, uh, which there is a lot of bullshit to delve into. I hope you guys are, I hope you're buckled up. And then after that, and also we should say that AEW last night fucking ruled was mm. one of the best AEW dynamites maybe that I've ever seen from, really, really from front to back. Really I mean, good. was was practically a pay-per-view. So... Uh, that's another reason. Hopefully, AEW sucks next week and we don't have to talk about it, but that probably won't happen because I'm an AEW sexual and I love it. So without further ado, let's get to that three count. JCB, kick it off. Guess who's back? <laughs> I was giggling about it last week, just joking. That, yeah, he's coming back. Oh, no, no, we ain't joking no more. Vince is back. Strong arming his way back to the top of wwe so just in case you haven't seen it i'm sure everybody has but let's just kind of go down a, a quick timeline of events starting off with the surprising resignation i'll go with that word that was the word that i came up with i saw it on twitter stephanie mcmahon steps down as ceo of wwe and that's where the first red flag for me immediately came up because now this is a vacancy at the top somebody has to fill that spot now how vince gets there is my question i wasn't sure and then all of a sudden i look up and now he's the ceo of wwe via a vote some guys are out other guys, including Nick Khan, are in to obviously sway votes towards Vince's side. So just as fast sorry, he's as the chairman, sorry, chairman of the board, Nick chairman Khan's of the board. I'm sorry, uh, chairman of the board. Nick, Nick Khan's the CEO. I apologize. Um, once again, another major swing towards Vince to where now a couple of months ago. We were kind of high-fiving. Vince is gone. You know, this is great. You know, probably even more so longer than that. And now, all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, it feels like this is literally your favorite series of choice in this blank. You had the bad guy out of power. Everybody's celebrating. And at the end of the season, bad guy's back in power. So something, to, you know, for me, I was just like, man, this is crazy. It's literally watching a series going on in real time. But wait, there's more. So now, as of last night, I'm make, trying to make sure I'm getting this right. So this is Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday. Tuesday night, I'm coming home, and I'm seeing that 
after Vince has taken control of WWE again that immediately the Saudi Arabia, I guess, contingent, for lack of a better word, is ready to buy WWE. Twitter's going ablaze. Everybody's throwing their opinions left and right, right around. Sean Ross Sapp, God bless him. I was watching him on YouTube for like five or ten minutes. He was looked like he was melting down at one point because he's trying to say this is rumors, but there's other real shit going on. Apparently, there was talent that was none too pleased about this. Obviously, Sami Zayn, uh, Shayna Baszler, um, Sonya Deville immediately come to mind, but neither here nor there. We can talk about that in a little bit. Saudi Arabia apparently was in line, quote unquote, in line to buy WWE. When I woke up the next morning on Wednesday, that rumor was debunked for whatever reason. I'll let everybody else talk about that in a second. From there, now we're back to where did we go from here? From this point, oh, I'm sorry, I, I forgot about the one last thing. Lawsuit. When I was going to work around 2 o'clock on Wednesday, I saw on Twitter that there was a lawsuit filed against Vince McMahon in Connecticut. One of the board members filed this lawsuit basically saying that he had strong armed his way back into the company, forced others out, got his guys in to get him voted back to the chairman of the board of WWE to where now he can control the sale of this um, company to whomever he wants to sell it to. So, whew. Now, from that point, I'll let you guys talk about it. From that, That's the basic timeline from where we came from to where we are right now. I haven't seen anything new uh, from the, the point of the lawsuit happening on Wednesday. As of 518 Central Standard Time, January 12th, 2000, the year of our Lord, 2023, there is no new news to report in terms of now this this podcast could be made obsolete by the time (laughs) it gets to you guys in that case we put it out tonight in that case you can just fast forward to when we talk about AEW and (laughs) slobber all over it uh but in the meantime zach what are your thoughts this should be good what would uh this was infinite jest this would be what the year of uh you know, we'll have to think of something clever in regards to uh, the return events. But you know, the year of the chewable ambient tab, the year of the uh, the year of the adult undergarments, whatever. Anyway, uh, oh, from Infinite Jest. Yeah, we yeah. need to come up with something, <laughs> dude. You're on a wrestling podcast, which is already a niche podcast, and now you're trying to drop Infinite Jest, uh, Infinite Jest references, which is also pretty niche. But I'll tell you what, do you think, brother? I enjoyed it. Do you think? Uh, I'm here for an audience of one. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, brother. Don't feel bad. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, WWE pretty much always been for sale. If somebody was going to come along and offer up, you know, a certain amount of money, it's not like they were actively seeking buyers. Now Vince is actively seeking buyers and this shit is just absolutely bonkers. So I, cut ties with social media just i didn't deactivate or anything i just put the apps like on my back page of my phone so that i don't look at them all the time and like i've actually reclaimed a lot of my time from like doom scrolling and shit it's been pretty good but because of that i don't have a way to get updated with news unless i actively seek it out so um you know i read the observer i listen to the observer podcast kind of keep up with uh 
wrestling news, and so I listened to Observer Radio, and there was, like, an emergency edition of Observer Radio on, like, a Tuesday night, which never really happens. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and um, that's whenever I texted Surprise, you guys. Nigga. I'm like, what is going on? And, uh, so, yeah, this thing was kind of mind-blowing, but it's absolutely bonkers. I mean, just we talked a little bit about it, uh, you know, last week with him. Uh, no, did we, we didn't talk about it last week. Maybe we just talked about it. Uh, we skimmed over uh, it, but never really got into it because – Nothing happened at the time. And Nothing then, had happened. Of course, once we get off the air, it happened. Right. Yeah. yeah it, it's just uh, it's a little crazy because on the 27th of December, the the board of directors who had included Stephanie McMahon and includes uh, Paul Levesque and uh, a variety of other uh, business folks, uh, they all voted unanimously not to have, uh, that they did not want uh, Vince McMahon back because of, um, you know, government, uh, you know, SEC uh, investigations and things until all of that was completed because there are other things that their investigation has turned up that were not, um, have not come to light, right? So they just didn't want him back. So then he forces his way in, and I will um, let that kind of uh, metaphor just lie. Gross. He's heating up! Forces his way in oh, oh, and oh, takes over. I hate you, dude. And it causes two other people to resign, two, two of the board members to resign, uh, one of which or one of whom is the person who is leading the independent investigation on Vince McMahon. And then, of course, Stephanie resigns, which is huge. And think back, she had already stepped away from the company a while back. And then after she had taken a leave of absence, uh, they buried her in like sports illustrated and said she sucked at her job. And then they brought her back as CEO. Whenever this Vince thing started popping off because they wanted some stability and they wanted a McMahon, um, absolute roller coaster. And then the same board, uh, well, a very different board, but Paul Levesque is on that board. That board voted unanimously to bring Vince back in order to negotiate a sale um, and the television right. So, um, yeah, I mean, as far as people that I've heard um, that kind of Meltzer was reporting um, of companies that would, A, even have the money to spend on this, because I guess I guess Entertainment Weekly was throwing out a number kind of in the eight, eight and a half billion dollar range. Uh, that's how much it would cost to purchase this company with its current stock price. Uh, we're looking at places like, you know, Saudi Arabia would be one. Um, uh, um, Endeavor, which owns the UFC, which is actually pretty much the exact same business model as WWE, which is pay your entertainment uh, some money and then charge a lot for rights fees and a lot for tickets and uh, then just make a lot of money. So that actually kind of makes sense. Uh, if WWE and UFC were to be owned by the same company, uh, that would be pretty wild. Uh, Dana White's in the news for other reasons. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, but then not just for slap fighting on TNT or TBS, but for slap fighting with his wife. You can check out the video on TMZ. But um, And anyway, uh, you know, big places like, say, you know, we get the streaming wars, Netflix, Disney, uh, these kinds of things, but there's really not that many places. You know, NBC Universal. I mentioned that last week. There's not too many places that have 
outside of giant media corporations that are going to have eight and a half billion dollars they're able to throw at this thing um if they did that saudi arabia is one of the few six and that a half, would make it yeah yeah regardless yeah at that point it's like <laughs> hey, 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 it's six and a half billion sure. dollars. get uh, the number right the ex- ex- exact same <laughs> amount of money that would cost to buy the new york name oh god uh, but the the main thing is, you know, Saudi Arabia would make the company private again or have the potential to make the company private again. Uh, and then Vince could es- essentially do whatever he wanted without, uh, you know, maybe public outrage, but no sense of actual backlash. Um, ever, the majority of those other companies, Endeavor included, they're all publicly traded companies. Um, so that changes things. Basically, kind of what it boils down to, it's a wait and see. Last thing I saw on the front page of The Observer was that they're looking to have a sale done by mid-2023. Obviously, nothing set in stone. Uh, Saudi Arabia seems like the most event thing that you could possibly do. Um, so I'm still leaning for that on my 2023 bingo card. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit! The uh, main kind of thing that I want to point out is Vince is in his 70s. He is absolutely going to try to wrest control from, you know, creative control. This is only a matter of time. Like he's back now only in this role, you know, so, you know, so, so he says he's a, he, there's, he just cannot help himself. Like the dude's already worth hundreds of millions of dollars liquid and billions of dollars in stock. And you can't just take a vacation. You can't like, just like fuck a consenting woman and eat like fucking ten thousand dollar dinners every night for like the rest of whatever your life is like i mean if he was gonna know, do that man. he wouldn't be vince mcmahon in the first place circle that's, gets that's the square exactly <laughs> tell him what he's so, won johnny it is just it's just bonkers but um you know uh <laughs> we'll, we'll wait and see uh but i if i was somebody that worked at wwe i would be not thrilled about this situation there's got to be a lot of people that triple h has brought back that are that are worried because again, whenever you're preparing for a sale, you're, you have the potential to be doing budget cuts and that's, you know, they have been doing in the past, so to speak, uh, or at least that's what they said when they were cutting talent. So if I was a talent, um, say an AEW or new Japan that was hoping to maybe go to WWE because of the greener pastures, uh, provided by the triple H regime. Um, if I was William Regal, you know, like any kind of things like this, I'd be like, Son of a bitch. You know, it's like it's like an abusive relationship where you think that you've escaped and then the fucking dude shows up at your fucking, you know, witness protection hotel room. Like, <laughs> I, I thought know. I was These safe. Are all terrible analogies. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> Bill, you, you just take it away. I mean, it, it was always for people like William Regal. It was always a possibility. And everybody had to know that they're all going to where the money is now. I'll start by saying this. I've, I've said it so many times in this podcast that we are not journalists. Now, if you don't have the time or the inclination to keep up with this stuff, that that is a, a service that uh, we like to provide here in the Band from Ringside podcast. Maybe you missed NXT. Maybe you missed AEW Dynamite. Maybe you missed Raw. Maybe you missed the outside of the ring news. We're not journalists. We're basically aggregators. But after seeing the way that the journalists handled all this shit this week and with the Mercedes Monet thing with uh, AEW Dynamite, I'm just going to go ahead and say 
I'm a wrestling journalist <laughs> because yes! all you motherfuckers do, you guys aren't journalists. There's a reason they call you dirt sheets. It's because you guys can get worked. If if they just put this out there that they were selling to Saudi just to try to tickle the taints of other buyers, then you got worked. Dave Meltzer, not a journalist. Sean Ross Sapp, not a journalist. Maybe a little bit more responsible than Dave Meltzer, though. Uh, Wade Keller, I haven't seen him weigh in on this at all. Good for you, Wade. You motherfuckers aren't journalists. You guys put emojis up and you guys put these vague fucking... Uh, when big shit like this happens, you guys put vague uh, tweets out there. And then when it happens, you say the next day, oh, you know what? That's what I was talking about. No, you weren't. You're not journalists. You guys get worked. You guys just get fucking... You guys don't confirm sources. You guys just fucking kind of leak shit out there. Because I've Sa- heard that. That Saudi Arabia shit, everybody went off on Twitter Oof. Tuesday night. I felt like it was the uh, the all-out, the, the scrum thing all over mm-hmm. again. Because I was checking wrestling Twitter just like everybody else. And I'll tell you what. It fucked with my sleep, and there were three things that I thought about that fucked with my sleep that night when I read it at 10 o'clock, and it said that they were selling to Saudi Arabia. My first thought was, <laughs> this should be good. I feel bad for people like Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Sonya Deville. I feel bad for the entire women's division if it actually gets sold to Saudi Arabia, because that fucking sucks. My second thought was, check. am I going to be able to watch the product anymore? If it's bought by Saudi Arabia. Now, is the Saudi Arabia government any worse than somebody like Vince McMahon? The answer is very clearly yes, because they execute gay people. They execute people uh, in the LGBTQ community. They execute people that that criticize MBS, Mohammed bin Salam. Okay, so like for all of you trying to make uh like equivocations here Saudi Arabia is much worse than Vince McMahon check now what Vince McMahon has done in the past is very very bad oh yeah no doubt no and, doubt and, and it is not something I am not trying to uh say that one sin is worse than the other but I'm saying that the Saudi Arabia kingdom is worse than Vince McMahon Vince McMahon has only killed two people, Jimmy Snooker's girlfriend and Owen Hart. And after that, everybody else has lived, basically. Maybe test. But um, let's not go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) I'll say Eddie Guerrero is on line one. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to hell. Did I say all three things? No, two and three. Uh, my third one. Oh, my third one was. Do we get to see this bloodline thing play out? <laughs> like, I, wait, wait, wait. When are y'all gonna buy this motherfucker? I, we I, are really close to seeing the end. I was really like, God, do I not have to? Can't, I mean, I can't watch WrestleMania. I, I, I was actually thinking, what, oh, hap- wow. what happens to the podcast when if if they sell it to Saudi Arabia? Did you? Do we just go like lean really really harder into <laughs> AEW and NJPW and maybe like pick up like in some MLW th- three count shit? Pod. <laughs> this is all stuff that I was thinking. Uh, another thing that I was thinking is, do you guys ever watch Succession? Have you guys ever watched Succession? No, it is, but I, it's I, the I best talk, show on TV. We, I, just, I said it last week, and I'm going to say something about that here in a it's second. The, it's the best show on TV, and it it's kind of strange how much Succession mirrors uh, 
and you know, spoiler alert for those who haven't watched Succession, but uh, there's a part in Succession where the and Succession's kind of based off the Murdochs, kind of. But there's a daughter and two sons, and there's a part in Succession. I'm not going to tell you where which part. I'm just going to say you should watch this show. But there's a part where the main dude, the Vince character, the Rupert Murdoch character, uh, Logan Roy, he shuts everybody out, all of his kids. And he's like, fuck you. Right. I have loyal people next to me. Right. Fuck all you kids. Right. You know? Well, that sounds somewhat familiar. <laughs> it really does sound somewhat familiar. That's amazing. I do think that they might have floated the uh, you know and i'll say this as a journalist i i i got some info for some insiders i'm right. not gonna tell you who but no I no got, you, I got, you know we don't reveal our sources here right. at for Rings. i got uh, some info from some insiders that said that they floated this out there to see what the public reaction was and the public reaction was uh swift <laughs> and destructive people were very anti this if my wrestling twitter feed was any indication I just wonder, for all you WWE sexuals out there, was there anybody out there that was happy with this? Was there anybody that was out? Was, was there any, did you guys see any inclination out there of all, even all the contrarians out there, of which there are tons on wrestling Twitter and wrestling fans out there in general? Was anybody happy about this? Did anybody say... This is what we wanted. We need Vince back in because I didn't see it at all. Um, Nor sh- and I'm pretty happy I didn't see it. And I'm not one to say you were wrong before, so you're not allowed into the fold now. Right. Like, because I've been wrong about stuff. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and I, I would rather be welcomed into the fold than to compl- than to be shunned because of my prior opinions but i didn't see anybody happy about this and i'll echo what zach said vince selling to saudi arabia could be the most vince move of all time i think that ultimately it would kill the brand is that you think that's too strong zach um I don't think it's too strong. I think it, uh, if you, you can look at some parallels, because they own that uh, golf, the Live Golf, right? Yes, um, Live Golf. And, and, they, and what? Live Golf had a really hard time finding sponsors in its first yeah. year because people did not want to do business with Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia has been trying to legitimize itself for several years now. I remember seeing a 60 Minutes uh, 60 Minutes segment probably three or four years ago where 60 Minutes caught a bunch of shit because they did kind of a, kind of a, uh, you know, just a pat answer. Just a, They just tossed Mohammed bin Salam like a bunch of softballs. Softball questions. And it looked like they were trying to normalize Saudi Arabia for the Western audience, which is what Saudi Arabia has been trying to do a, a, a lot. Mohammed bin Salam, and this is just from, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I do. In this case, he is. I, I, well, I do, I, do read, <laughs> I do read things, and I do know what Mohammed bin Salam's whole thing is. And his whole thing is he wants to look attractive 
to Western audiences while keeping uh, some archaic beliefs like anti-LGBTQ. Like they've had these crown jewels over there where the women are not allowed to show any skin at all. They're wearing they're wearing full body suits. That is not uh, that is not what WWE has been about the whole time. Like you can't wear full body suits and have Jerry Lawler yelling about puppies. Right. And there has to be a happy medium between the two. You would think. Uh, what do you think, Jason? Yeah. Uh, you kind of stole my, a little bit of my thunder about the Saudi thing about putting their toe about Vince putting the toe in the water. Um, I think that was a complete intentional act just to see what the reaction could be. And obviously it was very negative. I'll say this, um, not my own thought, but let's just say play for devil's advocate. Um, Saudi does buy the WWE. I, I would say that's a, that's a damn near a powerhouse. And, and I would even worry about AEW being able to keep up th- at this point. Just all all things being equal. Let's you know, we can break it down. Just let's just play play along for thirty seconds. If if WWE and Saudi got together, you would have the biggest W. You'd have the biggest wrestling promotion in the world. Now backed by, it was already a, a fat bankroll by Vince. Now you have Saudi, you know, bankrolling this. Anybody in the world that they wanted to get, if they wanted to throw enough money to, they would come over. Morals aside, more times than not, morals get put aside if you start throwing enough money towards that person, okay? So in that sense, the fact that, like Bill said, you've had Crown Jewel events over there, okay, I get it. If you start to kind of connect the dots, the Saudi thing kind of makes sense, Ultimately, I agree with what Bill said. I think this was just a litmus test to see how public reaction would happen. Public reaction came in swift, quick, and abundant, and I think they're kind of moving on from there. Yeah, we can do Crown Jewel, but uh, I don't think you are in a position to buy the WWE. If they want to stay, keep this worldwide conglomerate thing going on and appeasing everybody on this nice little tightrope, this is probably not the buyer to do it. Speaking of not to, the buyer to do it, um, we were talking about um, UFC or whatever. What's what's the parent company name again? I'm sorry. In, Endeavor. Endeavor. Okay. They got their own problems right now. Now, slowly but surely, people are starting to push on Dana White. You, you can't replace Dana White with Vince McMahon. That's just not going to work. Okay. Somehow, some way, Vince is going to try to keep control of over this whole thing both like you said both companies are very similar in business model you know pay talent low you know jack up prices high and scrape it all in very i get it vince slaps all his women at his own house that being said, <laughs> that being said, because he's smart like that, you know, smack your woman in Jesus Man. Christ. So they've got their own problems right now. I'm thinking more like Disney, like Zach said, NBC Universal, somebody that we know that would be acceptable to all involved. For, okay. the, for, for those of you that are wondering what's happening with Dana White, I would, uh, I would kind of guide you into the defector article defector is what 
all when dead when all the deadspin writers got fired because deadspin is just actually zombie deadspin now is what they call it because it's all a bunch of corporate writers but they all the deadspin writers became something called defector.com and they had a i, I don't know who the writer was but he had a he or she had a spectacular article about ESPN's lack of journalistic integrity mm. when it came to covering Dana White, mm. and I would really recommend quiet. I would recommend that you all watch it or all read it because it is um, it's it's a devastating takedown of ESPN. Not that we needed another one, but it's it's really good. Go ahead, Zach. Sorry. Oh. Um. No, I thought Jason was going. I, no, I, no, I'm I, done. I, I, no, I'm done. Okay. That, that was the two things I wrote down. Uh, Bill just said it before I did, so I just, I just wanted to piggyback on it. You're good. Yeah, the main thing is, um, you know, I, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I think Vince absolutely, as soon as he got ousted and he wanted to get back, I, I think that he probably opened up talks with the Saudis because they are so super rich. Like Jason said, it's an unlimited bankroll. Like, the Khan family is richer than the McMahon family, even if WWE gets sold and then they're worth like liquid billions, but they ain't Saudi Arabia rich. Um, so they could do whatever the hell they want. But like Jason said, uh, would they maintain sponsors? Would they maintain rights fees? Um, you know, so the live golf can't get people to pay them for their content. So they're essentially paying to, it's like a pay for television model. Uh, they're just paying so that people will have it on TV instead of them getting paid a bunch of rights fees. So, uh, WWE, they deliver ratings. Would these cable companies, uh, streaming services, like hold their nose and still do it, even though, uh, you know, if they were owned by Saudi, um, you know, the public image isn't good. We'll just have to have to see. But, um, you know, I'll, it is going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. And, uh, yeah, uh, man, I tell you what, that's got to be the most dysfunctional Thanksgiving next to the Bluth family. Uh, is at the McMahon Mansion because Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I, 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 poor Shane. He doesn't have it. Like at least Stephanie. At least at least if they sell, Stephanie's going to be so rich because she has so much like stock. And, you know, I, I, Triple I, H has stock. I don't think Shane has a single share. Stop. Well, you know, so we were talking about. Uh, We've been Zach and I have been sharing this document. I, I don't know if Jason has seen it yet, but it's with all the beefers. And we talked about scandal of the year, and it's been just because you mentioned Shane. I just have to mention this again. Do you remember back in the Royal Rumble where Shane booked his own Royal Rumble and they yeah. got fired the next day? Yeah, like in any other year, that would have been that would have been, been one of the biggest scandals of all time. We still be talking about that shit. Now it's like, yeah, do you remember that? And I was like, yeah, I kind of do. It's it's actually, like, he came he, in like in the mid twenties or whatever. Even a year ago, yeah, he's going to go up and he just Brock. wasted everybody. Uh, I don't think that there's any other way though. And and I, like I said, I've been consuming a lot of this because it's a know, big deal. as wrestling fans, and I'll say it, I'll say it again. There's nothing stranger in American culture than professional wrestling. And when Stephanie quit, I don't think that there's, and you know, this is what I've heard from people that I've listened to and shit's like people that I respect saying on Twitter, there's no other way to take this that she saw her dad coming back and she was like, fuck this. I'm out. Yep. I, I will. I, I don't want anything to do with this anymore because she probably, she probably knows better than anybody that her dad is a complete piece of shit. So she was like, you know what? 
I'm out. Damn, Later. She's got daughters too. Ugh. Well, I mean, you don't have to have a daughter to, you know, know that no, you but this is this is, this is granddad or whatever you want to call him. Fuck him. Okay. You know, this is Does the he have patriarch no, for I, this nonsense. I just, you know, we spend so much time as a culture talking about very, very powerful dudes and we... We contemplate on what they're thinking and what are they doing. And still, at this time, I'm like, and still today, and I know this, and I still think right now, I'm like, doesn't Vince have any sense of legacy? Because that's what these motherfuckers think of. Like, I'm reading that, I'm reading this book about the Sacklers. I think I brought it up earlier about the the people that invented Oxycontin. It's like, and they talk about the guy who started it all all Arthur Sackler it's like doesn't he have any sense of legacy all he thought about was legacy and his only legacy now is uh, a bunch of people dying from the opioid epidemic does Vince have any sense of legacy because if he read any sort of history maybe he would just give it all to fucking charity instead of selling it to the Saudi Arabians if he if he does sell it to the Saudi Arabians it's kind of evil like evil, very I, evil. I'll, I'll say this: I don't think he's going that far. Like I said, I think that was you know you said it. I think give me a percentage. Argue. Give me a percentage, Zach, that he sells it to the Saudi Arabians. Twenty five percent. Jason, I'm going less than that. I was going to say my knee jerk reaction was to say five. I'll double down. I'll say ten. I think because he flo- because it got floated out there and because it was so roundly uh, criticized. I'll I'll meet you guys somewhere in the middle. I'll say seventeen and a half. <laughs> now that's good. The there, there's your over under. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to talk about some wrestling? Uh, uh, yeah, real quick. What's the over under uh, on when he uh, comes back? When do you guys think he shows up on TV? Uh, yeah, uh, Triple H. I'm going to really... say it never happens. Uh, I'll set the over under at. Rumble. I did see somebody on Twitter say, wouldn't it be funny if Vince came out in SmackDown and led a thank you, Steph chant? That's fucked up. <laughs> Man, that's fucked up. I'm on, I'll say, we could put the over-under at the, at the Rumble if you want to, or Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber. Rumble plans are probably no, already set. No. Elimination Chamber is a nice over-under. No. He will not He'll come, never come back? I don't think he's going to be on TV ever again. On a, on a WWE product no Ross, we're talking about Ro- no, we're talking about creative control Ro- oh no i don't no, I was think talking no. about on tv on tv i said on tv i'd say neither i think triple h is in control i don't think vince even cares about that anymore i think vince came back because he wants to sell the company and he's probably been planning this right. since he went away probably what else you gonna do um coming back on tv never i could see it it's vince never i could see it until we can see it. All right. So, uh, I'll the, say the Monday after WrestleMania. Yes. Okay. Great call. That's a great spot because every if WrestleMania goes without a hitch, and I don't care what match you, you put on the card. I'm going to say this. There's absolutely 0% chance that Is that, that your Stone Cold Lock of the Year? Stone Cold Lock of the Year. 0% chance that that happens. Okay. Uh, I think he's going to promote an I quit match with Stephanie, and then he's going to come out and be like, wait, you already quit. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, just, just for posterity, I just want everybody to know this, and I think I speak for 
uh, Jason and Zach. Probably on this one. When I say this, uh, fuck Vince. Yeah. God damn it. Like, yeah, it, just like sit down someplace, if, if anything, everybody thought that he had this fucking magic potion and they were like, he, the WWE can't run without him. And then he went away and the WWE went off without a hitch and in fact got better. So it's all bluster. Everything it is, is everything is confidence. Everything in this world is confidence. That's how Donald Trump got elected president. That's how Vince McMahon fucking everybody still thinks he's the baddest motherfucker in the world. It's all confidence. That's why people think that I don't go to therapy and cry myself to sleep four times a week. Confidence. Hey, man, baby. You couldn't have said it any better than I was going to say something. I'm going to leave it alone. And yes. That, and that's for all you uh, guys in your young 20s that are trying to get laid. Let's get to that two count. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> two beer. Let's talk about some wrestling. Yeah, so uh, I was single parenting last week, and also the card uh, for Dynam- or for Rampage and for Battle of the Belts didn't like look so hot. Uh, so I neglected to drive the 15 minutes up and pay the $25 to go to AEW. I've got to find a babysitter and stuff, but it wouldn't have been a big deal. Fucking and bullshit. I heard I didn't get to bullshit. see it. I heard it was actually an over a show that overachieved and was had a great crowd and I'm sorry to not be a part of that Portland crowd. Did, did you guys see it at all? We don't have to go over it, but I was just curious if you watched. I did watch it. Um, I thought the, the curtain jerker top flight and John Moxley and Brian Danson was um, absolutely amazing. Incredible. And I watched it also. It's, it really made me kind of mad for top flight and their injury mishaps. They're, they're that team, you know, not saying that they're better than the acclaimed, but I think the acclaimed just kind of beat them to the spots. They're the Kofi Kingston to the top flights, Mustafa Ali. If top flight could stay healthy, maybe they beat the, uh, the acclaimed to the uh, the tag team titles. I'm not saying that they're better. I think they're both good. They're just good in different ways. But this match was really good. The, to me, the moral of the story was, you know, Darius was not really ready to go down to Moxley. Both uh, the Martin brothers were, were basically, you know, toe-to-toe with their opponents. It's just, you know, Moxley and Brian Danielson are that good. You know, unfortunately, it goes against my tag team principles, but it, it was really, really good. <laughs> All bullshit aside. Outside of that, from there, uh, I don't think you really missed that much. Uh, squash by Preston Vance. Darby retains Hater and Baker kind of squashed the renegade. So if you just watch the curtain jerker, you're set. Still, lesson learned. I should have gone up. It was not a big time commitment. It was not a big money commitment. So I will make sure not to make that mistake again. But um, I tell you what, I would have done is I absolutely would have uh, gone to this dynamite card regardless of other life's responsibilities. That'd have been that guy holding the sign that I missed my daughter's birth to be here. Uh, this thing. Uh, absolutely ruled. Uh, so, what a great show. Say, Hang on for a second. How is the guy that doesn't have kids objecting to what he just got to say? What he just said? I don't that have kids. Me, me being hyperbolic, but... Um, no, I'm, 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 I'm waiting for that. Dad over here to maybe, kind of... Be, yeah, go maybe, ahead, Dad. Maybe if you had kids, you would realize how mediocre they are. <laughs> mid. End of May. Mid. 
Ed the May is totally mid. I'm dead, dude. Y'all motherfuckers ain't shit. She can barely even talk. <laughs> Like we give her, we give her so much credit. My wife's like, uh, my sister came over the other night, and my sister's name is Sarah, and she goes sa sa. And my wife's like, that's so good. I was like, that's only one syllable. Like Sarah is two syllables. Like what the fuck? <laughs> just applaud Get your together, oh, woman. nice job, Edna May. Oh, nice job. Massage bigotry of low expectations. Exactly. Exactly. You ain't shit. Go to beer. You shits ain't shit. Are, shits are pants. God damn. <laughs> fucking fucking idiot. Um, so stupid. Anyway. Absolute fucking bullshit. So, uh, Hangman Page defeated John Moxley in a fantastic opener. Um, I mean, crowd was hot. Page, I, there's going to be a theme throughout this as we approach the beefers, um, just because I, you know, I almost had to kind of reevaluate what I think of as like underrated. I feel like a lot of times we were thinking about underutilized. I feel like in my head, as I was like thinking about these uh, now, uh, just this past week since I sent my thought, my picks to, to Bill, it's almost like there's guys that are so good and I still think that they're underrated even though people are behind them, people love them, and people think of them as very good wrestlers. There's some that are just that much better than what they are perceived to be and I think Hangman Page is one of them. Uh, Moxley, phenomenal. Uh, Moxley is like my quintessential uh, pro wrestler, right? Like I think he's like maybe the best thing going right now and uh these guys did such a good job of recreating the spot that took Hangman out and gave him the concussion that put him on the shelf for a couple months. Um, you know, Page did the the flip bump exactly the same. Moxley did the clothesline exactly the same. This match had some of the hardest fucking clotheslines I've ever seen uh, from both of these guys, just absolutely demolishing each other. Page did the Arihara moonsault. Um, this thing fucking ruled. And then we got a clean finish uh, with Hangman Page doing his finishing move, Buckshot Lariat, onto John Moxley and pinning him clean one, two, three. Moxley hardly ever loses. He especially hardly ever loses clean. There's usually some fuckery involved. Um, this was fucking awesome. It was a spectacular match. Um, speaking of my piece of shit daughter. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hell. I, my wife had my wife had like a, a late night uh, or like a seven o'clock meeting with her editor or whatever because she writes and I was giving the baby a bath and our the bathroom is right across the hall from my office and my office has everything set up like i can i can just watch so i just tipped the tv this way and i was like oh yeah you're playing with the rubber ducky oh rubber ducky you're the oh fuck and i i, I watched it i watched this match and this oh, match no. oh you were watching the match okay never mind. this match well i was also watching her to make sure she doesn't die anything, you know yeah. you know the, the good old things in life it would be a real bummer <laughs> <laughs> but the match was Aaron so bad. Oh right. man, like that's that's what I'm worried about the most. It's just Aaron yeah. being mad at me. Right. Um, this match was. I don't. I don't like. I, I think saying a banger is right. uh, kind of underdoing it because we say a banger all the time. It was a spectacular return for Hangman Page. It was an emotional match that had stakes built up because Moxley ever since the mishap with page 
they decide to lean into it. And Moxley started calling him basically a glass jaw and things like that. Zach said it. Zach said it before I could. Moxley never loses. He never loses clean. Moxley did the job. I hope, for God's sake, that Moxley can finally go on that vacation that he wants to go on and spend time with his piece of shit, kid. Because... Mm. uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, Moxley, I love your kid. Sorry, I love my kid too. <laughs> this is all saying, jokes. It's saying, all jokes. Moxley come find you. I'm out. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. He right there, dog. He but right there. Zach, Zach is exactly right, though. That uh, Moxley is the guy, and you know, I was hanging out with Steve last weekend because we did Christmas at my father-in-law's house, and I was taking hanging out with Steve, and at least we had company going down on the Titanic. No shit. Uh, but Steve and I were up and we were talking about and he was like which shield member would you take which one's the best one and i was like i think i would take moxley and moxley also during this match showed some shades of heel because they were chanting cowboy shit and he looked at the crowd gave him the double birds and the crowd booed the fuck out of him and like i got a i just i felt it a little bit i was like man this is what i want i want a moxley heel run a proper uh, Jason, what do you think? A proper heel run is the, is the words I would use, like my friends across the pond would say. Um, I, everything you guys have said, you know, uh, you guys nailed it. I'll kind of throw in my couple of uh, thoughts on it that you guys didn't say, or at least, you know, things that I thought about post-match. Uh, Doc Sampson came comes up to Moxley to kind of check on him. So immediately I'm thinking, okay, are we doing, you know, the alternate concussion angle. Moxley's talking all this shit, and now all of a sudden, you just got your bell rung, and you know you're going to have to walk down the same path that uh, Hangman did. You know, you got the wife, you got kid at home. Now you're going to have to walk down that path. So it's kind of like you know, you know, walking in a mile in another man's shoes. So if that's the case, that'll be. Can I ask you a question, real fast? Yeah, please. Um, how are you with concussion storylines? Because to some, they seem distasteful. Like, if if they're trying to tell the story that Daniel Bryan has a lot of concussions, or they're trying to tell the story where Hangman Page is a glass draw because he got a concussion, and then they kind of play into it during the match right. with Page and Moxley, does that strike you as distasteful, or are you cool with it? Obviously, it, it has to be done in a way that a makes sense storyline wise, but b not too dis- distasteful in this scenario, as far as I'm concerned, AEW has done a, a good job of towing the line, if you will, of trying to tell the story of Danielson, uh, hangman, maybe Moxley, um, somebody else we're going to talk about that came back, you know, they're going to have this same storyline as well. So, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we've done this before. If, if you're AEW, it's just now how can you tell the story and still have this same physicality? Moxley and, and Hangman were beating the shit out of each other. Chops, they were. forearm it was, strikes. It was fantastic. Larry's, you name it. It's it exactly was, what you want. Yeah, I mean, at least that's what I want. I mean, for the way they built this up and then to have this as the curtain jerkers, like, okay, fucking A, right, let's do this shit. Let's not fuck around, you know. It's a good thing that the best of seven was the main event 
Otherwise, my guess was Moxley and Page might have been the main event just looking at the card, but neither here nor there. Uh, Zach, I'll ask you. No, so, go, go. Zach, nope, Zach, I'll ask you the same question about concussion uh, storytelling, and I'll also, I'll also ask you the question, is this the last we see of Mox for a little while? Uh, it can go either way. I feel like with the with the storyline, I feel like um, it's probably going to be a continuation. I think if he would have just been pinned clean and we would have just went right to commercial, I think that would have been the last that we saw him. I think because of the Doc Samson thing, I think we're going to um, continue this. Or maybe he takes you know a few weeks off and, and comes back you know with a vengeance and he gets his vacation, but then we also still continue it. That would be the best of both worlds. I feel like um, as far as the the story, uh, her concussion stories, I wouldn't necessarily put a moratorium on them, uh, but I feel like it just depends on how it's done, the nuance of it. Um, you know, like, you know, do something like super edgy and like, oh, we went to Hangman Page's house and his dogs are enclosed in the pool area. Like, you know, like some kind of Benoit <laughs> reference or something. But, um, you know, that would be like fucked up. No, that that's 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 par for course. If you didn't say that, I would be a little, you know, worried about you. Are you, you know, are you at gunpoint or something? Yeah, I, I don't think that I'm anti-concussion storylines. I just think that there has to be some there has to be some thought behind it. That can't be the only thing. And I'll I'm going to talk about we'll talk about something a little bit later that happened on Dynamite that I was extremely anti but um uh so what happened next zach uh speaking of concussion storylines <laughs> we had uh adam cole returning and jesus hey, Christ, hey. Okay. adam cole is um o-v-e-r and you know he's coming back obviously as a baby face because when you return you, you can't not do that and they're leaning into that but even so like this, we all know that he's such a goddamn sweetheart. There isn't a single person in the wrestling business or anybody that's ever interacted with Adam Cole that has an unkind word to say about him. Even and, CM Punk likes him. Yeah, exactly. Like even yeah. CM Punk, yeah. who hates mostly everybody, whose uh, whose image came up a few times in the signature at the beginning of the show this week. Uh, we can talk about that later if we want to, though. Oh, right on. I did not notice that, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, just cut an absolute fiery babyface promo uh, towards the end. Fiery, toward, you know, he there was some shit in there that um, you know we all knew he was struggling. We knew he was having a hard time, you know, recovering from the concussion because he had two in a row. Super scary, especially because he's such a talent. We all want to see him, but mostly like you know, he said he was reading online. Like we all, we've we've said the sentiment. We just want Adam Cole to be healthy for Adam Cole even if we never got to see him wrestle again. And now we get the best of both worlds. We get Adam Cole healthy and we get to see him wrestle. And, um, you know, I thought it was cute that he did the good news and then he did the bad <laughs> news. He's like, the bad news isn't for me. It's for that locker room. And oh, everybody shit. just went wild. It was uh, a super cool, a tremendous baby face return promo. Tremendous. I got chills when he did the, Boom! <laughs> I, I like when he just points that one thumb at himself and says "boom," and everybody says it with him. I was uh, psyched to see him return, and he is just a—he's a star. 
He's a star. He's a star. He's a star. He's a big, bright, shining star. I finally figured out who he looks like when I look him dead in the eye. When he's looking at the camera and I'm looking at him and it's just me and him, you know, and nobody else is there. Nobody else is talking. Nobody else is there. He looks like Tom Cruise. He's a he's a gorgeous man. He does. He's got the same eyes as Tom Cruise. Uh, and uh, Mission Impossible 7 and 8, Dead Reckoning 1 and Dead Reckoning 2 are coming out in 2023. I recommend, if you haven't seen the other Mission Impossibles, that you go back and at least watch 3, 4, 5, and 6 because they are badass. What do you think about Adam Cole's return, Jason? Oh, oh, okay, see, you fucking with me about this Mission Impossible thing, but I'm going to put that on the back burner. Fucking with you about what? How? You know I love me some Mission Impossible. Man, seven you and know, eight yeah, are coming okay, out in the next okay. two years. And then you said three, four, five, and six were good. Come on, two was dope. You got you can nah, dis- two you sucks. One's two. good. One's good. Two I mean, is two dope sucks too. compared no, to the rest of them, but it's, oh better, it's, better than, uh, it's better than, you know, Taken. Adam Cole coming back. 2023, year of the Mission Impossible rewatch. Right. Um, We should do it. (laughs) Adam Cole coming back was a surprise because I thought the way uh, Tony Schiavone set it up, it felt like it was MJF because it was like, he was like, you know, this basically was like, you know, I'm paraphrasing. This is that asshole you don't want to, you know, we don't want to talk to. And then Adam Cole comes out. So that's, you know, automatically nice check in that. For me, I'm an Adam Cole, baby, kind of guy. You know, I want to chant kind of like when Zach comes on, is BRFR West in the house, kind of the same thing. I was wondering what where this promo was going to go. Obviously, it went babyface side. So him and the elite, there's a possibility of them teaming up. But ultimately, I'm thinking about the long term. What What's obviously now that he's back, what is going to happen with Adam Cole and I wasn't sure until I was working today and I said, you know, you got to strike when the iron is hot. And then when I said that, I was immediately thought for, and this is just the way I think sometimes I thought about Adam Cole. We got him back. Danielson obviously is going to get the first crack at it. We're not sure about Moxley. From there, you're going to, you know, you got some, you know, a, a little wiggle room for MJF to go on a little run. Wardlow is still the guy that I think he could still drop it to, but now Adam Cole gives you options. It ain't Wardlow. I'm not look before Adam Cole Baby came back, it was Wardlow. Wardlow to me, the way that their story, him and MJS story is, it would make sense for that to happen. Now, with Adam Cole coming back, baby, you have options. You got the one of the biggest things that was wrong with AEW is that they didn't have their complement of talent. Now, slowly but surely, we're dropping Kenny Omega back in. Now you got Adam Cole, baby, back in. Now you got a little roster that we remember it a year and a half ago when we were salivating about all of these incredible matches that you could possibly have. Ultimately, my point is this. MJF is, is going to have to lose to somebody. I thought it was going to be Wardlow before this. Adam Cole, it would make sense because now he's back and you might as well strike while the iron is hot and you can still have these same good matchups with guys that if you're not an MJF guy, if you're an MJF can't wrestle guy, I think Adam Cole can do both things. He can talk and wrestle. So you got the best of both worlds if you want to go that route. I mean, 
Yes. I mean, Adam Cole is a... He's a Beefer Award winner. Yep. For Wrestler of the Year. Yep. He wrestles incredible matches. I'm There's, sure he has Match of the Year somewhere in the Beefers. Well, yeah, him versus Gargano in that two out of three. Falls, yeah, yeah that, that one Match of the Year with some of us. Now, listen... Hold on. Before we get Zach back in here, uh, I, I, I want to talk to both of you about something. About the beefers. So, uh, Jason said, and did we talk about this last week on air? Or did we talk about it off air? Ish. Okay. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to a ball. We're going to talk about it on air here. Okay. Okay. So, the beefers are going to be us three. Right. Jason Cornelius Bell. Right. Two beers, Zach Moon. Right. Bill, a.k.a. Veggie. Right. We are going to nominate three like nominees no, like we normally do. Nominees for each one, but we're going to do before the beefers next week. Okay. And then we're all going to vote. And what we're going to try to do, if we can do this, because we're not very... Um, Consensus. Uh, no, it's not that. We're not very organized, I'll say. Uh, we'll, True story. We're going to put these... Uh, polls up on twitter to see so what you, okay i guess to see when, what the when people do you need say. mine where do you need mine huh when do you need my picks i guess there's the next question well we should all talk about our three picks and then three days before the beefers next thursday we will put it up on twitter and see what the people say okay see what the people vote for each three so the people will vote before we actually for our three we will have three votes okay our our three options okay for each one okay and that's how we're gonna do so only one there'll only be one match of the year there's not gonna be a match of the year for you match of the year for me match of the year for zach there's only gonna be one match of the year and that's gonna be the beef and the the fans will pick said and we'll just see how wrong they are <laughs> wow. Okay. Way to get a little fan involvement going in. Fair enough. All, All right. right. Coming up next. Well, well what happened next, Zach? Uh, next was uh, we had a tag team match. Uh, Jungle Boy and Hook. Um, you know, Jungle Hook. Uh, no, we, we, we're skipping the acclaimed uh, segment for thirty seconds. Oh, yeah. No. Just the acclaimed, you know. the acclaimed have a have a star on the Walk of Fame. Yeah. So. You know some shit's going to go left on that. So I just wanted to put that out there, and now you can go ahead. Yeah, so they have a star. Uh, then we had Jungle Hook versus Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. Um, this was fine. A lot of it was a commercial break. But, um, you know, Perry uh, uh, ended up putting the snare trap on Moriarty. Uh, this is fine. They're just kind of continuing this feud. Uh, I don't think we have to dive into it unless anybody has anything they want to say um now that the other bill is gone big bill you know william morrissey um obviously protected here and from that point it, it is what it is like you said it was it's basically you know we kicked a can down the street um i'm just you know I, it, if there's a what if in wrestling right now and I'm, I hate to, well, I didn't say his name first, so I can say his name now. It's kind of like Candyman. I don't want to say his name either. You know, he might pop back up and wrestle and Vince packed up, pop back up. So, you know, this motherfucker would, might pop back up too. But uh, I wonder what if, you know, CM Punk would have stayed at AEW. You know, 
the firm was basically. I thought you were going to say Enzo Amore. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, Saudi hasn't taken over the WWE. I don't know what he's talking about. Like, this motherfucker wouldn't watch MLW. Get the fuck up out of here. Anyway, um, if, you know, CM Punk would have stayed the firm is, you know, the the faction that was basically created for him to be, you know, the ultimate foils against him for an extended period of time. Now, however it went along, you know, it is what it is. But now that CM Punk is gone, you know, that Stokely Hathaway uh, faction doesn't feel like it has, you know, any traction, any reason to be around. And, and now it's just, you know, I like Stokely Hathaway, but I just think that, it's it's a really good what if for wrestling in the scenario of if CM Punk would have stayed what it what would have happened afterwards because obviously it's a domino effect but like you said this match was what it was you know poor Lee Moriarty got you know had to tap out because you protected Big Bill from that point you know like I said it's a what if game uh, the hook suplex on Big Bill was pretty badass I'll I'll say that okay different from. Rich Holland because I was tripping off that I was waiting for it to happen. Well, Rich Holland is. Go ahead. Sorry. Give me thirty seconds. Okay. Morrissey helped him because it wasn't right away. It was like, stop. Okay, you jump. I'll help you go over and then oh. tuck your head in the way it's supposed to go. So you're blaming the victim here. You're blaming Biggie. That's what it sounds like. That's not what I'm saying. The, what you're supposed to do, Zach? Is that what it sound like? Sound like you're blaming the victim a little bit? <laughs> Whatever, motherfucker. All right. So Tiger Beat goes over Lee Moriarty and Bill. Uh, we'll call them 48 Hours or something. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> okay. If you gonna call somebody out on race being racist, watch what you say moving forward. 48 Hours is totally a racist movie. I oh my god. He says the N word so, so many, many times. So many times in 48 like hours. It's a counter of how many times he says the N-word. <laughs> did you see Eddie Murphy on the Golden Globes the other night? I did not. Where he said uh, he gave a very subdued speech. Like he won the CC, uh, or he won the Cecil B. DeMille Award for like Lifetime Achievement, the Golden Globes. And he said he gave a very quiet speech. Damn, I'm old. Did you see this, Zach? No. And he said... Uh, He's like, I, I've survived in this business for a long time, and there's three things that you have to do to survive in this business. The first one being pay your taxes. <laughs> the second one being mind your business. And the third one being keep Will Smith's wife's name out your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> That's really funny. It killed, it killed me, dude. I love Eddie Murphy, it dude. Was, it was so funny. Now, it, Eddie Murphy's my childhood. It's like I, it's like I was Murphy. so sick of Will Smith jokes after the Oscars last year, and like that's the last one. Okay, moratorium on Will Smith jokes. Anyway, it was that really funny. Yeah. That's so funny. That's good shit. Uh, uh, backstage segment, best friends, and uh, this Paul Walter Hauser gentleman, and uh, we're going to see more stunned. him on Rampage. Uh, what does he do? I don't know him. Uh, he is a very cool actor. Seems like a cool dude. Uh, he played Richard Jewell in the Clint Eastwood movie Richard Jewell. He also has a big part. Oh. He also has a big part in the TV show Kingdom, which oh, is on. Wait, dude. Which He's is on, on. I think you should leave. Yes, he was on. I think you should leave about the thing that he loves his wife. 
so much? Yeah, Jamie Taco's good. Yes, yes, yes. He is a very, uh, he seems like a really cool dude. I've listened to interviews with him, and also, if you haven't watched Kingdom, which is an MMA show that was on Universal, but I think it's on Netflix now, I watched every episode twice. I think that show is fucking legit, man. It's fucking awesome. It's an MMA show. Man, I really need it, and I think you should leave reference on AW Dynamite. That's like my ultimate crossover porn. Paul Paul Walter Hauser oh. is a <laughs> Paul Walter Hauser is a cool dude, though. I'll, I'll say it right now. I'm going out on a limb. Uh, that's exciting. No, Gold Globe, you know, Golden Globe winner, right. Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah, right. he seems like an everyday kind of guy. You know, you don't see a lot of Golden Globe winners backstage on AEW no, or any he, wrestling. He's uh, cool as fuck. Promotion to, for that matter. Seems so. like a really nice guy. In that scenario, I've never seen anything you guys have Paul said. Paul Walter but, Hauser, come find me. We'll put you on the pod. Okay, I'm like, <laughs> I know it's not a visual medium, but I, my hands went up and see, see that come She's find me. I'm like, what? what were you doing? <laughs> I got Walter this. Hauser, come find me. Just on the lip. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, he's definitely coming on BFR now. Go ahead, Two Beer. I won't steal any of your lines. Um, all right, uh, Renee Paquette backstage with, uh, saying, you know, I haven't been as best of seven series in this arena, the Pistons and the Lakers in 1988. Uh, and then... Uh, Let's Zach, talk. Okay, Let's on, Zach talk about sports. Okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> I want you to know. I want you because you're you're my guy, and I want and I want to know if you if you heard this. Did you hear the old NBA? Dun, 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 oh, they've been doing that for the last few weeks. Okay, I was about to say, and I heard it like like three or four weeks ago, no, because, and I never brought it up. And well, I was like, what the fuck? They said <laughs> they said Tony Khan bought it. Okay, because. He loved it so much when he was growing up. Hell yeah. yeah. When they did it that one time, I'm like... You know who wrote Where? that song? No. John Tesh. Really? Yeah. My buddy Fat, his dad loved John Tesh. <laughs> Which is weird because guessed. it's like no lyrics like... Yeah, it's just synthy, you know, synthy stuff like that. Anyway. You know... Dun, 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 it, it, you expect to see Steve Stafford Jones. <sighs> is he still alive? I don't know. I'm not even going to go there. Go ahead. Right. Bail Sorry, me Zach. out. Bail Sorry. me out. Falling asleep over here, guys. Um, you brought so, up the NBA, motherfucker. <laughs> it was Renee Paquette. Um, That's the so seven series. Okay. My guy, my guy, Kanosuke Takeshita, uh, comes in, but then MJF interrupts interrupt and calls him. <laughs> I believe I never thought of this. <laughs> Kanosuke Takeshita. <laughs> You've never thought of that? You never, never thought of it. Immediately. Yeah, I thought I thought of it. Like his name but is see, Take I, a Shit. I'm on like day today is day three seventeen of um Duolingo for Japanese for me, so like I, I do like kind of pronounce like in my head I read and pronounce like the Japanese even when they're Latinized and stuff. That, I, I never is, I just that, never thought of it. That's just, I mean, that's no excuse. It's okay if you never thought of it. It's just, that's just not an excuse. Like, we you know expect who more from you here on Band from Ringside. I'll just say it. I'll just say it. I'll just take it from here. We expect this more is Band from, from Ringside. Okay. Great. We I'm need you chastised. to bring your A game a little bit more in 2023. I think Jason's high. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let, let, anyway. let's, let's keep the people engaged. What did you think about MJF and Takeshita? The promo that MJF caught on him. Uh, I I liked, um, you know, I liked that 
he cashed a you know the crowd behind him like he always does. But he said uh, you know he he did the whole like cut the promo in Japanese, which was cool. And then uh, he said uh, basically like in, in his uh, he doesn't have great English, but he basically got out. He's like I said, kiss my ass, which was fun. And um, you know basically, MJF still had him get out of the ring. <laughs> and, uh, he still left the ring, uh, which was uh, kind of funny. He's just like whatever. And uh, then MJF just starts to run down everybody in the crowd, including uh, Ken Jong uh, from The Hangover and uh, Freddie Prince Jr., which was the the funniest because he's like, you might remember her from She's All That. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that movie. And he's like, not me. I was born in 1996. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> And then and, he called him a Scooby Dooby douchebag. Oh my! And, okay, and, and you know right. that Freddie Prince Jr. also wrote for WWE SmackDown for like five years. Like Freddie oh, Prince, and is in the process of like starting his own wrestling promotion yes. for a while now. I, I want to say this though: this is a great use of MJF roasting celebrities. That's very funny. I also want to give credit to the celebrities because a lot of times when you get celebrities that don't really get it, they oversell getting made fun of. And I'll say Kim Jong and Freddie Prince Jr. Like Freddie Prince Jr. is an actor, so maybe he was acting, but he was acting kind of uncomfortable while trying to no-sell it. And I thought that was really good. He's like, what did I do? Yeah, and Kim Jong... Not Kim Jong Il. I was going to say what? <laughs> Ken, He's on U.S. soil. Ken Jong. I know how uh, we can fund a podcast, guys. All he did was kind of stare at him, and he didn't really like crack a smile. And I just want to say, kudos to those two celebrities for selling it the right way, because that that can go wrong really bad a Agreed. lot of times. Agreed. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, then Danielson comes out and MGF hits the ground running just runs his ass off, which is just, man, I love MJF because he just gets kind of every aspect. Like he's totally like calm, cool, collected, and, you know, just the coolest guy in the room and run everybody down. And then he immediately can turn into the chicken shit heel and he has no problem doing it. Like yes. he's like, whatever's, whatever is good for business. Right. Uh, sometimes, though, sometimes he oversells a little bit. Like when Takeshita said, when he said, we speak American here. And then Takeshita was like, well, I said to kiss my ass or something like that. MJF sold it. Way, but go ahead. MJF sold it a little bit. When he said kiss my ass. MJF's like, he like his eyes are bugging out of his head. Like he's fucking Jimmy Hart or something. I think it's him playing to an arena instead of a television camera. Right. You got to uh, play to the guy in the last row. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think no, you're, you're right. right about that. That's actually, that's a good point. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, this segued into, uh, an absolutely fantastic match between Kanosuke Takeshi and Brian Danielson, which I mean, Unbelievable. we knew, we knew it was going to be fantastic, <laughs> but like, this is how fantastic it was. Uh, we know that Brian Danielson, who's one of the most beloved pro wrestlers in history, is not going to get a world title match against one of the most hated heels in history unless he beats Kanosuke Takeshita. And Takeshita still had the fans behind him, and they people still wanted Takeshita to win this I match. Bought, I bought Absolutely in, I, incredible. I bought in the one near fall really hard because I was like, right before it happened, I was like, well, they could tell a different kind of story where – 
Brian Danielson Look loses one. Look at you. And, 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 then, and then, like, well, like, like two weeks later, he's like, I want a second chance or something. Like, they had me buying into one of those near falls. That was my favorite Takeshita match, and I haven't watched them all. It is weird, though, that they have him, like, this is probably his fifth or sixth AEW match, and they've all been really good, and they've all been against, like, top talent. It's not like he's out there, you know, fighting John Silver or anything. Nothing, I mean, no no shade on John no, Silver, he, but, but I'm talking not, about... he's John Silver is not a top-tier guy. He's as not a name. And, yeah, he's, he's not a name. In AEW, I'd he's watch not John Silver and Takeshita fight a 30-minute barn burner. Knock right? yourself out. Bombies. But um, Takeshita was really impressive. Like, really fucking they, impressive. Did I think he, it's because they see him as a top guy. How, how old is there he? Yet. He's like 20, he's 25 maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, he's I thought I was, 26 was the the number I was getting ready to spit he out. Did, he did a deadlift suplex on Daniel Bryan when Daniel Bryan was like, he was standing up, Daniel Bryan was in, in between his legs, and on he, his hands and knees. After he did the sit down. Like, yeah. yeah. Where I, th- I almost thought he yeah. crushed his neck. And I was he, like, oh, okay, we're good, we're that, good. He did that deadlift suplex and immediately it, afterwards. And he came down with a lot of force. <laughs> I mean, it was bad ass. That was like, I I I popped. No, I popped for it. it would be hard. To, the part of the reason why we we being BFR, and I think I can speak for all of us on this, is that why we watch New Japan and why we watch AEW, and we love both, is for these kind of spots, these kind of hard hitting spots. I watched them to catch the matches in DDT a couple weeks ago. It was on, I was supposed to be watching Noah and I watched it. And then, you know, you, you know, every fucking, uh, you know, category or library has, you know, the for you spot. And I saw Takeshita versus, you know, some random guy. Nobody knows about it. Shit. I didn't even know who this guy was. So I was like, well, fuck it. I want to watch this match. You can, it's so weird how now when you watch Takeshita, at least in this scenario, how he's so strong in DDT. He's the Daniel Bryanson in, in this DDT match versus him being the underdog I in see AEW. Him, I see him like a Japanese Claudio. Claudio, Okada. I mean, there was... The sky is the limit for this guy. It was. It, that's why I was like... I don't... I hesitate to, sh- to shit on somebody because... They come in from somewhere else and they're not being pushed strongly. I always want to go, and this is like the you're gonna the, shit on somebody. Well, in the, if you want to come back, fucking bullshit. Well, unprofessional no, bullshit. I wouldn't say it all like that. I'll just say that in scenarios like this, Takeshi is presented one way in DDT, presented a little different way in another. Both are strong, but at least in AEW, he's losing to guys that are top-tier guys. So you didn't like the match? Oh, I love the oh, fucking match. match. Yeah, it was the best that, you liked the match, match? <laughs> that I've seen in AEW. Absolutely, absolutely loved it. I've never seen anything less than a stellar match from him. Um, well, Daniel Bryan's yeah. the best wrestler on the planet, in my opinion. He's number one. You know, it's funny. Uh, like I watch Meltzer a lot of wrestling. I'm not say, did I say sentiment. you're wrong? Sorry, Zach. And, go ahead. Uh, Melter has that same sentiment as, like, as far as like Daniel Bryan, you know, Bryan Danielson being, um, you know, maybe the best uh, wrestler, you know, going. And uh, Bola was this week, uh, this weekend, uh, PWG's Battle of Los Angeles. 
and Takeshita was in it, and he went all the way to the finals, like a two-day tournament. And uh, I, it, I really wish there was a way that was more accessible for us to watch these. Dude, because, you uh, still want Thunder? Melter was like, he's like, this match was phenomenal, and he's like, it wasn't even. He's like, it was probably the fifth best Takeshita match that I saw this week. Yeah, that's <laughs> my ass. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway. Well, here's uh, the thing. Just, like when you hear me say, when you hear, sorry, when you hear me say something like, Brian Danielson's the best wrestler in the world, and then you hear another journalist like Dave Meltzer <laughs> say something like, Dana Bryanson's probably the best wrestler in the world. You can probably take that to the bank because we're a couple of wrestling journalists that are letting well, everybody know okay. who the best wrestler in the world is. I'll just say this quick pushback. You know, same other wrestling journalist and Meltzer has said that Okada is the best wrestler in the world too. From that point, well, I'll just leave it at that. As a journalist, okay, I we outrank that guy that said about Okada. Is that Dave Meltzer also? Apparently, it must be <laughs> Zach. Take control, I, please. I love filling out multiple Mark Madness brackets. Also, <laughs> you see, um, we keeping all these bases covered. So yeah, phenomenal match. Uh, like the guy's the limit for Takeshita. He's one of my favorite wrestlers going right now. Uh, just be cool with him. Just let's not rush him. Just be cool. Yeah, and it's clear that they have, you know, very big things in plan for him. But it's like uh, whenever, like, you know, Darby Allen started, he was losing a lot, but he was always wrestling top guys. And he got over doing that. And the crowd is, like, so ready for the cash to win, just like they were ready that's for a, Darby Allen to beat Cody. That's a really great segue by Zach, because the next segment was Juice Robinson cutting a promo on Darby Allen. So, I'm going to ask yeah. you guys this, because it was a Juice Robinson promo. It was pretty good. He's definitely a character. Let me ask you guys this. Would you rather watch Darby Allen versus Juice Robinson at a, on a main event on Dynamite, or would you rather watch them in week 13 of the G1? Zach, you go first. Hmm. You know, that's interesting because I don't know about Darby Allen in Japan. I just him I think I'd probably would rather see him in Dynamite because he'd probably be more likely to like jump off of some scaffolding. So to you it's all about Darby. Um, yeah, when I think of it, uh it's like and we know Juice is you know, can wrestle that style and he's really good in the G one. I just don't know about Darby in the G1, you know, wrestling that Japanese style. I don't know if it would be as good as him on Dynamite. I gotta say, Dynamite is so eminently watchable and so impossible to miss. Like, I try to make sure every Wednesday night that my wife has uh, work to do because she's with the baby all day so I can watch Dynamite by myself. But Dynamite is must-see, and it's must-see because of the crowd. Like, think about the shit that Dynamite's given us the last month. Fucking uh, Andretti and Jericho. Starks and MJF. Fucking three different trios matches between Death Triangle and fucking the Elite. That's all in the last month. How fucking spoiled are we? Darby Samoa Joe. Darby Mm -hmm. Samoa Joe. Fucking Brian Takeshita. Mm -hmm. Moxley Page. Yes, it's it's unbelievable how spoiled we are, and people still say that we're the marks. 
You're goddamn right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Guilty as fucking charged. All right. Uh, what was next? Uh, then we had the women's tag with Jamie Hader and Britt. Uh, they defeated Soraya and Tony Storm. Um, there, uh, this this was had some good and bad. I feel like it's kind of like a microcosm of the women's division in general. Um, it had some strong points. It had some uh, maybe sloppier points. Um, I think maybe Soraya. Um, I don't know. She's she's fine. Um, I, th- I think Jamie Hader is great. I think Karashita is great. Um, Britt is can be great. Um, but I don't know. Uh, Hader ended up pinning. I have um, I have opinions. Storm. I have opinions Here, about go, this. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta say shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, well, I'm, it's, it's like I'm just trying to keep it moving. Like I'm looking at the minutes. clock. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock. Like, is this gonna be a four hour podcast? I'm just looking at the clock. Not that Zach was going on too far. I'm just trying to keep it moving. We have a lot of stuff to talk about still. Um, I think that uh, AEW <laughs> fucked up when they teased Jamie Hader turning face and they didn't pull the trigger because now she's getting cheered over Tony Storm in this fucking match and that shouldn't be happening. Tony Storm should be getting cheered over Jamie Hader, but Jamie Hamer, J- sorry, Jamie Hader has caught fire and is now getting the heel that everybody wants to turn babyface <laughs> treatment because nobody wants to not cheer her anymore. So you got to lean into that and they've taken too long to lean into that. They they when they were teasing it at the last pay-per-view, they should have pulled the fucking trigger because that was the, that's when the time was ripe. Now I feel like they've taken too long. That being said, everything I saw on Twitter and everything I listened to in podcast today, which was two different podcasts, I just kind of checked in on them. Everybody was saying, where the fuck is Mercedes Monet? And all I want to say to you motherfuckers is, you guys don't watch Into Japan because I had... It never even crossed my mind, even with all the fucking Dave Meltzer saying that it would happen, and fucking Sean Ross Sapp saying it was ha- it would happen. Mel, just there's been a lot of I'd listen and actually read Meltzer. He didn't say it was going to happen. I'm not being like a defender, but it's just not a thing. I uh, think you just did. <laughs> listen, I'm a journalist, and I'm just reporting what I read on Twitter, which is what journalists do. There's a lot of there's a lot of shit about both those dudes. I don't subscribe to Sap, uh, but like just all the time, people like aggregate and they just make stuff up. And then you read it on Twitter headlines, and then people <laughs> share it on Friends of BFR, and it just like dog. isn't even real life. Damn dog, it's, dude, it's, Zach it's just killed me. I mean, just came in with just, just like <laughs> Zach just dunked on me, okay. like Zach Levine, <laughs> like it was bouncing off the top of the backboard. He was like, "Oh, shut the fuck <laughs> up, baby." Right. Right. No, I'm going jog because how much you hate, you know, the new school. You know, we're giving people flowers and you know passing out the receipts. Let me say I'm this: say, you, you got dunked on. Don't like. It's, Let me it's say this, John Moran. Let me say this in response to my good friend Two Beers Zach Bowman. Family. Family. We're yes, cousins. Without question. <laughs> He's exactly right. All I did was hear people talk about talk shit about Dave Meltzer and Sean Ross Sapp and then I just piled on Look and I you. did the exact same thing that you. I criticized people on wrestling Twitter wow. of doing. Zach just owned me and I am a corn cob. Mm. 
This I don't is, want to make you feel this, bad. This, this is no, you didn't make me feel bad. You're this, right. This is your, amazing. No, I don't want your journalistic integrity no, to be uh, diminished. I, I need to be dunked on sometimes. <laughs> that is my thing. It Please keeps him dunk on it me. Keeps him humble. Um, <laughs> anyway, you, you can go on. You, had, you did have a point, though. But they did. About Mercedes. They should have. Well, they should have flipped Jamie Hayter. Anybody that thought Mercedes Monet was coming here, I just. Even if nobody reported it, it would have caught fire on Twitter because apparently her fans are fucking rabid. Uh, New Japan had 40,000 new subscriptions the night of Wrestle Kingdom, which is uh, a record by far. She drives traffic. I can't. Jason, I think Jason's had plenty of run ins with Sasha Sands on. Twitter, I, I can't believe I can't believe people put so much stock in her though. Like I really, I, I like the podcast I listened to today. They were talking about Dynamite. And they were like, "Why didn't Mercedes Monet show up?" And I was like, "You motherfuckers had three pay per view Japan." Well, not only that, but you motherfuckers had three pay per view level matches. On this dynamite, on free television, right. in front of the hottest crowd all year, Los Angeles. Portland is, is a hot second right now, and, for lack of a better term, but go ahead. It was a hot fucking crowd, Seattle man. Seattle was really hot. Uh, that whole West Coast has been crazy for them because all they do is stay in Chicago. But I'm saying, like, that you watched that entire dynamite. I never thought about Mercedes Monet not once. Not, not once. Didn't even cross my mind. Nope. Once you said it was Tony Storm, fuck it, it's Tony Storm. I was like, "What's next?" But you okay? Unless unless Mercedes Monet is coming exactly. out of the sky, exactly. or some crazy and shit, the, and which ain't thing, gonna happen. And the thing that Britt Breaker said last week was, "I'm, I'm the, the only boss. boss you're only gonna see on Dynamite," Dumb which is her saying, <laughs> "Sasha Banks isn't coming." And then she goes, "Her being a shitter too." You know? That too. Well, that then, too. But then she the said, play, ultimate play she, on words. Then she said, "My partner is going to be Tony Storm." Like, it wasn't ambiguous. They told you exactly what they were going to do. So all you Sasha Banks marks out there, settle down. No, okay, fan is short for fanatic, okay? Don't you can't say, say you, that no, shit it, to me. No, you, this is the ultimate example. <laughs> this is the Christ. ultimate example. They told you flat out two weeks ago, settle the fuck down. Down. It right. is Tony Storm, and Sheeta, it went two weeks after the fact. Sheeta comes down, throws the kendo stick in there. Uh, the <laughs> heels end up winning. Sheeta acts like she didn't mean to send it to them, which is just some Paul Heyman type shit. <laughs> I'm going to throw this title in the ring. I'm going to let you and Brock figure this shit out. <laughs> I'm going to jump your ass in a second. I'm waiting for the Sheeta heel turn. It's happening. All right. So the last two segments, I... I really want to talk about. So, Zach, what was the next segment? Jericho Appreciation Society comes out, and then Ricky Starks and Action Andretti interrupt. And uh, pretty nice little uh, promo battle here. Action Andretti held his own with a couple of really great promo people uh, in Jericho and Starks. And Garcia was actually very good as well. But we got uh, Jake Hager doing Jake Hager things. Um saying how much he likes his hat and saying he's going to slap uh, Action Andretti's or, or Ricky Stark's face off of his face. Uh, pretty good stuff, but um, that's you know, an, we're just going to... Go ahead. That's an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, thing from what I remember. 
I'm pretty sure no, that... I thought it was like a, an Owen Hart reference because remember when, uh, WrestleMania like 10 whenever he says I'll break your leg off your leg Brett oh so uh, maybe that's that. maybe that's where Charlie from It's Always Sunny got it either either way it's funny it is funny but uh, but yeah uh, what did you want to say about it I just thought it was good and uh, uh, it's building, I... building this guy up I've always had a really soft spot in my heart for people with speech impediments, and I thought that Ricky Starks making two references to Jack Swagger's lisp was real heel shit to me. Like, yeah, that makes me not want to root for him. And then he made fun of the hat, and Jack Swagger, with all the comedic timing in the world, looked up and said... I like this hat and it was the perfect delivery. Like he should win an Emmy. Like it should be like, <laughs> it should be like the dad from a uh, modern family and uh, you know, Frazier and all these people. And then like uh, Jack Swagger Smackdown or Jack Swagger dynamite. <laughs> I like this hat. And then they hand him an Emmy with a purple hat. On. He goes, I like this hat. But what a stud. And, and, I mean, that's really all I want to say. But, I mean, Ricky Starks has a real, very believable delivery. Uh, Jericho was Jericho. Uh, I think Daniel Garcia is – I think he's the next best thing. I think he's going to be around for a long, long, long time. I've been wrong about guys before. But I think Daniel Garcia fucking rules. And this, so was, this was a fun segment to me. I liked the action Andretti, too. They gave him very little to do, and most of it was just – like repeating Jericho phrases. I just wish he wouldn't make fun of people's lists. I, I would hate for a kid to be watching that with a lisp because I just think that's a really hard thing to deal with. I didn't even have one. I talked normal. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. No, I'm, I get I'm not some freak show no, that talks no. all <laughs> fucked up. I, the, the, my two biggest things was, you know, I had a big ass afro and I had buck teeth going for a while. So, I mean, my shit was, you know, I, unbelievable. You know, a, a lot of my early childhood pictures, I would never smile because my teeth were all jacked up. So I get the list. Yeah, it's just kind of mean. No, it's no, really without, mean. no, no. But that's uh, every. It's something you can't help though. Okay, but ev- it's not like you know Ricky Starks is running around here and is perfect. I'm sure I'll he had some what, jacked when... up shit going on. You know. Um, Hager's got the list, so on and so forth. So, I mean, you know, we all got the shit that, you know, that fucks with us as a kid. You just have to get past the insecurities and have, hopefully, you know, a, a positive, healthy child or healthy so adulthood. What's, what's the match next week? It's Ricky Stars versus Jack Swagger? Yes. Hope to see some swagger bombs. No, you, you know, I was about to say, well, as long as Ricky Stars goes over, it's ultimately that's what it is. I, I I'm not rooting for him anymore. I'm rooting for swagger. To me, it was like... You gotta make fun of the guy's speech impediment. To me, it was like Rock was Ricky Starks. And, you know, it's... And and I'm not Ricky Stark. Rocks was Ricky Starks-ish. Andretti was Jericho-ish. That's what I was kind of like when Jericho came to the WWE and they were trying to get Jericho over. They paired him with Rock. Not saying that Ricky Starks anywhere close to Rock, even when at that point in Rock's career. He's, it just kind of looked familiar. He looks like the Rock went into the dryer for an extended for an extended uh, cycle. Uh, okay, let's get to the wrestling. We've been going for two hours. I'm going to hurt you. Zach, you still there? Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
Okay, what's so, the main event? Uh, Escalera de la Muerte. Did I say it right? Yes! I was, si. I was practicing last si. night. I was like, okay, if he fucks this up, I got him. See? Si. <laughs> so good. Uh, I mean, I want to forego any kind of recency bias, but... Uh, Maybe the best of the best of seven. All right, so Definitely. we're 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 talking about the the best of seven uh, series between Death Triangle and the Elite, and last night was seven, and it was a ladder match. Tell us what you yeah. thought about it, Zach. Did did it get spoiled for you before you watched it? Uh, no, because I'm not on social media right now, and thankfully you guys were texting, but you had no spoilers. Um, so well, I added that I, so so Murray wouldn't add it because I realized that. Murray was on that text, and I was like, ah, fuck, I don't want him to ruin it for you guys. I appreciate you. you, because I uh, had game night. We'd usually do game night on Wednesdays, so it's really hard for me to watch Dynamite uh, live because uh, we play board games. And um, so, Well, if it wasn't spoiled for you, it was live to you. It was, and uh, mm. I loved it. Um, you know, six was the best up until that point. Seven, probably better. Uh, just an absolutely phenomenal, um, phenomenal uh, match overall. A phenomenal ladder match. Just tables and ladders and chairs. Oh, my. And, dude, um, we talk about underrated. I'm going to say it again. Nick Jackson, underrated. Is it the uh, best spot fest you've ever seen? I'd, probably. I'd have to go back and watch the original Escalera de TLC. la Chase. Oh. Um, and then, you know, maybe some of those TLCs. Uh, but uh, the original it, TLC it, it was to so me. Fast. Yeah, it was so fast. It was so fast. And that can only happen with guys that trust the fuck out of each other because that's not. That shit wasn't memorized before they went. They might have had like. <laughs> like bullet points, like we're going to get here, we're going to get here, we're going to get here. But most of that shit was too fast to be called as a as a non-wrestler, what it looks like to me anyway. Maybe there's some way to do it. Eddie's going to find you. It looked too fast to be called and it looked too, fa- and it looked too intricate to be strategized. It was an insane match, just an absolutely insane match and I don't know if this has ever happened before, but Kenny Omega has two match of the year candidates before January 12th. I mean, what a wild week of wrestling for Kenny Omega. He goes out and he has has one of the best matches of all time. I mean, it's on the short list, right? Top 20? Um, if you are... The the Osprey match, yeah. The Osprey match. I'd say top three. Match of all time, yeah. I thought it was. If I thought it was on, I'm the, trying to be generous. No, CageMatch.net is usually the where I go to for shit like did so and so wrestle so and so, and if so, when did it happen? They have this match. I think it's like a top five Osprey Omega. Osprey Omega uh, from Wrestle Kingdom. I think it's at least it's at least top ten, if not at the. And I'm being conservative on the the ceiling on this. I think it's at least top five. It might be even higher than that. What did Meltzer give it? It was like seven. Or, it was something ridiculous. I mean, so it was. He, uh, no, he gave it six point two five, okay. which is what he gave the uh, Omega Okada. Um, Two out of three falls, Matt. That's the second one. 
Yeah. Which was absolutely incredible. Omega literally coming through the screen with the V-trigger to finish it off. It I won't say it's amazing. my third favorite match. I think that my... Well, you know what? We it doesn't matter. Do so, do yeah, Let's go back to the trios. We'll go back to the trios. Yes. Get us on track. So... This was a spot fest that lasted question. less than 15 minutes. When I saw how long Ricky Starks was going, I was like, come on, dude, get out of here. Like, I thought it was going to open the show. I was ready for it to open the show because then you could be like, well, it can take as much time as it needs to take. But they only needed 15 minutes to, I mean, it was a sprint. It was a I Wrestle mean, if Kingdom you show that to people, match. If you show that to people born in 1900, they they would think that you were showing them aliens. <laughs> they would be like, what are these guys doing? Uh, anyway, Zach, how many stars do you give this match? <laughs> oh, the, the ladder match? At least five. I'd probably go five and a half. <laughs> Just about five. There's yeah. no rules. There's no rules. You can give it as many stars as you want. Do you think, but? Bro? I would, I mean, yeah, I'd give it five stars. There was, I, I couldn't turn away. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't pick up my book. I didn't talk to my wife. I ignored my child. All I did was watch this. It was badass. It was unbelievable. Five stars. It's, I'm so glad that your wife and hopefully your mom doesn't listen to this podcast. If, if they did, they would look at you totally differently. They just wish we talked more about uh, MLW. <laughs> <laughs> um. Big Jacob Fatu fans. Yeah, for sure. Well, he is he's a shit. Massive. Yeah. Um Kenny coming back from Japan obviously plays a little a lot of part part in this uh reason why it's fifteen minutes, but it, it was a fifteen minute sprint and like I say, you couldn't really look away because I mean this was the match, you know, winner takes all. I'll just say this. If you looked away for a second, you missed, was going to you missed two spots. Yeah. There was one spot where it was just basically everybody was kind of jumping that out. Wing angel, that one wing angel off the top of the ladder was. That's when I thought it was over. That was insane. I'm like, man, please. I'm like, please rotate over. Please rotate. Okay. He's Can good. he just flipped out of the ring? Just think about this like it's not in the context of a wrestling match. Right. All he did was run and jump and land through two tables. I mean, that's jackass shit. That's, go ahead. Go ahead, Super. I was just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's just stupid. No, it was, and it, it ruled. But I guess it's what your preference is. Do you like tag team wrestling, FTR type hey, shit? What if I told you I like it all? Oh, well, of course. But then, you know, this is why we have this podcast. But, you know, a lot of people aren't like us, okay? We're like the gray area. A lot of people are very, you know, black or white, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and irony just strikes his ugly head in this scenario. I, I don't think there's anybody except for George, uh, Jim Cornette that watched that match last night and was like, that wasn't fun to watch. It was fun to watch. There were there was probably like six pile drivers. They were fucking, they were fucking each other up. William H, I love you. You know that. But yes. there's, there, there is that segment that if you force them to watch that and and that's the first thing, you'd have to force them to watch it. They would not like so that. Speaking, it's a spot fest. Listen, I'm, ju- I'm just going to say. Me personally, I loved it. I'm just going to say, speaking of matches of the year, mm. we will be having the Beefers next week. Yeah, and there's nothing is, else to do unless this, this is goes the crazy. <laughs> do you, hey, you got to do it. 
You gotta well, get that a, shit. That's a beefer. Oh, oh I know god. where to find it. Oh my god, it's saved on my YouTube. Look at you. All right, uh, Zach. Anything else you want to say about this match? Um, yeah, it was uh, just actually. I want to say something. Great dynamite. I want to say something really quick. Wait, yeah, but did he rank it? What did he say? I just said it was the perfect ending to a, a great dynamite. One of the best dynamites ever. In a long time. Dynamite feels like it's kind of slacked one of the, a little one bit. One of the five best dynamites ever. It's kind of picked up, you know, Definitely. as the Dude, sl- that's the best match we've ever seen on Dynamite. It was, it was a really good bookend dynamite. Better than the hour long. Is it? Hour long what? Uh, the Adam Page, Brian Nelson. Yeah, the. Page. That's probably the best match of all time. Okay, I'm, yeah, okay. I'll just say this. Oh, I just such a I wanted hipster. to see House of Black come out and at least you can't kill the elite, but just say, hey, we're next. That's it. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about House of Black later. Let's get to that. Three counts. No, you need to turn. Let's get to that three count. And the three count is not going to be very long. I'm just going to ask you guys some questions about some WWE main roster stuff. Did you guys watch WWE main roster? Sir, yes, sir. No. Okay. Uh, Perfect. Um, I'm familiar with with the events, but uh, it's been a busy week. There was a bunch of tag team action this week. Uh, We had the tag team turmoil which took up the last hour of Raw, which was really fun to watch, and comes down to the Street Profits versus Judgment Day. Judgment Day goes over. So now we're going to have Judgment Day, which is Dominic and Damian Priest versus the Usos. And I just want to say right now, if you haven't been watching Raw lately, Dominic as a Cholo might be the funniest thing on wrestling in a in since LA Knight versus Hammer Grimes. It is <laughs> funny. Because even the Miz said the other night, he goes, You weren't really even in jail. He's like, You were just <laughs> <laughs> And Dominic Dominic went from I saw somebody on Twitter say this. Dominic went from Ray to Eddie to uh Conan like in no time at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, um that was fun to watch, and also That's the Usos amazing. versus Sheamus and McIntyre was a pretty good match. Yeah. Um, pretty good television match, man. Well, yeah. I mean, Sheamus and, and Drew can have a, a good match any place, anytime, anywhere. Throw the Usos in. It's a tag team match. You know, Usos obviously go over, but it's entertaining television. I just have to go back to Dominic for 30 seconds. So He's great. <laughs> He's great. He's really coming to his own. So the the week when he was in jail, well, the week when they were taking him to jail, he's like, you know, weekend. I, <laughs> the weekend. He was like, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna last. I, he's like, no, I don't know. I can't last in jail. So then he comes out like a straight up. So I won't make it in jail. <laughs> he's like Tupac all of a sudden. You know, he's he's. I'm not saying this bloodline shit, but for me personally, I have been. Entertained. I have been asking for oh, this to happen, and good. now I'm being. It's now every week. I feel like they're giving me something for. Thank you, Jason, for giving us the time and the patience to wait for this. I'm getting paid off week week by Tom Dominic just backing the plum fucking fool. Him Two, winning is the cherry right now. It's good stuff, and I will say though that if you were to show me uh, Dominic Mysterio and uh, Damian Priest as a tag team 
and then show me Pretty Deadly as a tag team and ask me which ones, if I didn't know anything about anything. He's heating which up! Which ones were professional wrestlers and which ones were gay porn stars. He's heating up! pick Pretty Deadly as the professional wrestler. <laughs> Hell no! You ain't shit, dog. Come on, man. Put Zach, you guys, this goes, you know what else? This goes back to a private conversation that Jason <laughs> and Zach and I had uh, via text. And this shouldn't uh, be, I, this yeah, shouldn't, this do, shouldn't be on the airwaves. I guess we do put some locker room shit out there from time to yes, time. Yes, we, okay. yeah. Not and that we, there's anything wrong with that. Not that no. there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> no. But not, this goes back to like, an old text the message. What are you doing? All right. Uh, two more questions that I want to ask you about uh, main roster main roster shit. Uh, the first one being the Hurt Business might be getting back together. MVP came up to Bobby Lashley, called him Roberto, which is his shoot name. Like, people call him Roberto. That's his middle name. He's Franklin Roberto Lashley. Uh, his mom was Panamanian. I missed that, but okay. And like MVP came back up to him and said... Hey, no hard feelings. He's like, sorry, that's like that's kind of the that's the price of the game, basically. And Lashley said, I'm just not ready yet. And he goes, Well, Shelton and Cedric are sorry too. And Lashley says, Well, I'm just not ready yet. That looks like we're going to get a hurt business reunion, which I am one thousand percent for because I put it on Friends of BFR. I put it on Twitter. I said the hurt business could be really special. If they wanted to, Zach, what do you think about the hurt business? Maybe getting back together. They never should have been broken up. Yep. Jason, you know me. I mean, yeah, of course I want them to be back together. I just, I'm very, very hesitant. Pre the looming of the Vince shadow beforehand. Okay. I just, I honestly, if, okay, if you wanted to do it, Let's just say they did it. It happens at Royal Rumble, but that does that end up with Lashley winning the Royal Rumble? Probably not. So then, so, I'd be all right with. It. Okay, that's the question. Would you be okay if it's you got the hurt business? It's better than back? the last few. No, 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 no. It's just I'm just want to talk Lashley for thirty seconds. Yeah. If Lashley reunites with the hurt business, it would probably be in a scenario where. Um, it would be in the rumble. You would have somebody that is a big time baby face. See Seth Rollins. I'm all for that. So if the hurt business reunites and eliminates Seth Rollins in the Royal rumble, you're okay. Yes. Two beer. I think, I mean, I wouldn't mind it better than, uh, Brock coming back and winning it. Yeah. I think the hurt business fucking rules. Okay. Well, good. Brock would probably make more sense if you wanted to make that a, a WrestleMania match, but neither here nor there. All right, my, my last question. Are we okay with all these vignettes um, basically previewing Cody Rhodes' return? Because it would be a lot of fun if he showed up at the Royal Rumble and they just hadn't mentioned him at all. But does it make more sense to show the vignettes and try to sell pay-per-views, I guess? I mean, I guess that's why they do it, right? Jason? Um, 
you can go about this one of two ways. The first way is the the cover your ass way. If Rock doesn't show up, and I'm sure Rock is Rock Roman is the match that Vince wants. I'm sure Triple H wants that too. It's in California, you know. It's going to be worldwide. <laughs> you know, I don't care if they break these titles up or not. That's the match you want if you're a promoter of WWE, whoever it is at the time of WrestleMania. However, if Rock can't show up, you better start covering your tracks now. Cody Rhodes has been the guy that we talked about since he came back at WrestleMania last year. Oh, he's going to win the title. Oh, he's going to win the title. Then he got hurt and now he's disappeared. He was going to come back to fanfare regardless. But now we need to start playing the seeds of whether or not he can win the Royal Rumble, especially if the Elimination Chamber is centered around the Intercontinental Championship, which I'm, I'm going to ask our uh, journalist here in a little bit after he comes back from the bathroom. Is that a case or not? Neither here nor there. Two beer, what you got? Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised. I figured that Cody would have zero um, mention until like a surprise return at the Rumble, right? But uh, they've been putting him out there. They've had him on the best of show uh, the other day or the okay. other week. You thought that at that point, it's not a surprise anymore. Once they yeah. start talking about him, he's on the radar. John yep. Cena was like, said, he said it without saying it. Like, I'm coming for that title. Mm. More so to my point. So especially if, and there's no indication that they're going to break the titles up anytime soon. I I agree with that. But it's WrestleMania. It's not WrestleMania. He's coming back at the Royal Rumble. They wouldn't wouldn't be doing it right now. Yes. Yes. You don't, they're not going to put it on screen unless there's some sort of payoff. I guess to answer my own question. I wish that the, it would just be a big surprise at the Royal Rumble because that's always fun and that's always the most fun. Agreed. And people are, and people are going to buy the Royal Rumble anyway. Like if they, they ever, already if, did it though. If they, that was WrestleMania. If they advertise Cody though, I, and this is me arguing against them. If they advertise Cody, how many pay per views are they actually buying, or how many subscriptions are they actually buying? Who the fuck knows? It doesn't seem like it's very many. Everybody's a Sasha Banks fan. No, I mean, the the good part about that, I, I, here's my devil's av- uh, advocate argument about that. The, the good part about that, especially on both sides, just as when we're talking about Royal Rumble specifically, you've gotten, you know, other people in from promotions that you didn't think that could happen right and now jay white's coming up for you know contract extension mm-hmm. or extension with it, or new japan that yeah. might happen or not you know it, it could or could not if, we'll it, if it doesn't he's a guy that can come on the men's side the women's side very open as well so in this scenario it's it, to be continued zach any other fu- any other final thoughts nope <laughs> That nigga said, nope. <laughs> All right. We have no odds and ends. Okay. We've gone for a long time. I will say that next week is going to be the beefers. Beefers. If you're still listening, which is probably only my mom, we will be doing the beefers next week. Beefers. And we will be putting stuff on Twitter. So 
Okay. No, I was going to. We'll talk about this later. Go this ahead. is banned from ringside. Hey, we got some birthdays this week. Uh, Shad. Shad Gaspard. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. God 42. Bless. With the exact same birthday. Usual. Takahashi. 42. Pimps. Mason and Ryan. You remember Mason and Ryan? Uh, who's the heavy four? Uh, uh, I can't remember. Go ahead. He was the heavy four CM Punk's Nexus. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't have gotten He's that. 41. Hope he's doing okay. Hacksaw Jim Duggan just killed a guy that broke into his house, apparently. Yeah. I saw it on TMZ. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> He's sixty. He's sixty-nine. You said, "Oh, you age." Matt Rill is thirty-six. Casey Catanzaro is thirty-three. Kelly Kelly is thirty-six. Whew. Kelly Kelly. Mm. No. Kelly Kelly seems so much older than Casey Catanzaro. She can't be. Wow, you ain't shit, dude. Stop. Shane McMahon is fifty-three. Bull Buchanan is fifty-five. Tucker, you remember Tucker? He's thirty-three. <laughs> Ted DiBiase is also sixty-nine. Batista. Bautista. Is he the best WWE wrestler turned actor? He's probably the best actor of the bunch. Yeah, he's the best actor. Okay. And Mark Briscoe is 38. They aren't twins. Hey, everybody. We know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. For Murray, the Murray Man Murray. Check. R.I.P. Sideways in Time. Check. For Patriot Pad. For Two Beers, Zach Pullman. Check. For Bo Vice Geesman's. For Tender Mahal. Check. For Jason's Two Cats. What are they called? Um... Like Devil and Bill yeah, or something? Yeah, get out. Were they Billy and Bobby Brown. <laughs> For Jason Cornelius Pell. <laughs> you bitches. I am Bill Vegie and never, ever, Check. ever, ever, ever forget to boo the heels. Boo! Bitch. <laughs>